Hello and welcome back. We are back with another episode of Dragons and Demons, real podcast about motivation. So this is our second interview in our series here. I'll be interviewing another guest that brings forward a lot of fun and exciting things that he uses in daily practice. So talk about that in just a second. First of all, reviewing from last episode when we talked about rest, recovery, relaxation, the physical part, the mental part, the emotional side of things, all super important. And it was one episode that kind of poured it all out there because I was kind of putting myself through it as I was trying to recover from being sick and and just trying to find the right way to spin all this and, and its importance. And a lot of people get caught up in the rest and recovery portion of things and they spend too much time and they turn into being a little bit of laziness. So finding that right balance is super important and rolling into our next episode. So our next episode, I interview close personal friend or pseudo godfather of this podcast, John Bodner. John Bodner is a PE teacher. He gives his background and we discuss a lot of different topics. I think it's a lot of fun and it's something that he might make a couple more guest appearances here. So without further conversation, here it is. All right, we are here with my second interview. Today, I bring in a very special guest, the pseudo godfather of this whole entire program, uh, the person who kind of got the the ball rolling as far as when I was looking for something, looking for that next thing to conquer. I sat down and talked with this individual, um, longtime teacher, great friend and mentor for me, and I welcome John Bodner. Thank you for having me, Kevin. How's it going? It's going great, man. It's going great. This is really cool. I'm glad you're doing this. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, so first off, give us a little background. Where, where it's, What's your story? I uh, originally hail from uh, New York, uh, suburbs of New York City. Uh, you know, I was a kid who was a teenager in the 80s and elementary school in the 70s. So that, you know, that that time period, uh, suburbs of New York City, really cool neighborhood neighborhood called, uh, called Samsondale, which I, mean, I guess a lot of people could relate to uh, that time period um suburban america what it was but this was this place was really unique and it was um just picture townhouses two story that's it no basement with a like 20 by 15 square backyard and just a driveway in the front and it was all these in the late 60s it was all these couples moving on out of new york city to raise their family so there was just kids everywhere <laughs> um so it's a place i uh really appreciated growing up growing up in and um you know, whatever little bit of toughness I have in me, it, it, it came from that neighborhood because it was a place you kind of had to prove yourself. Um, so I loved it. And then um, played soccer and got an opportunity to play soccer for a small Division three school on the Eastern Shore of Maryland called Washington College. And never heard of it, never had been to the Eastern Shore of Maryland and took a chance on it. My dad drove me down, kind of fell in love with it, uh, went to school there, probably wouldn't get in there today would I be able to play soccer there today they're a lot better than <laughs> than they were in the 80s and um and then from there um ended up going to Ohio State for my master's degree so I love the Buckeyes and uh but I knew I, when I was at Ohio State that I was probably going to come back to Maryland it was a place I just felt comfortable felt like this is where I want to like start to establish myself and uh in 1997 I yeah I found myself at Frederick High School um I was offered a, a phys ed position phys ed health position and boys had soccer coach because uh, that was something I was pursuing at the time, and Frederick knew that. So, yeah, been been in Frederick High since '97, and they haven't gotten rid of me, and I haven't haven't left. So, <laughs> yeah, definitely one of the OGs of Frederick <laughs> High School, and we've seen a lot of a, a lot of changeover, especially in the last ten years, as education has kind of been all over the map. Um, but I mean, you're going to be very humble about it, but you're to me one of the hardest working teachers we have in that building. Oh, thank um, you. Somebody who like sits through every professional development, every professional learning. And you're back at your desk taking notes, trying to figure out how to cram it all in. And it can be frustrating, but I, I see that work ethic. And I was like, man, that's that's a good guy. That's someone I need to be around. <laughs> yeah, it's something that uh, I, I'm not somebody who would ever say that I, uh, like teaching comes natural. No. I mean, I, being around people and certainly being around teenagers, I, I definitely feel like I have a fit there. But the whole teaching thing, I, I, I mean, I walk out of pretty much every professional development meeting or every faculty meeting kind of going, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> Even now, you know, like some people, especially the newer teachers are walking out of there. Like, I don't know anything that just happened in there. I'm just going to go about my business. But yeah, I feel like a rookie some days. So, <laughs> um, but I've been blessed. Yeah. It's been a great place to be and have a career. All right. So first thing, one of the things that you've, you've done and one of the things that you continue to do in your classes and something that I really appreciate, but also I'd, I'd like to hear what the response is kind of like, 
Um, so, so when I came up, I was a terrible student when it came to English class. And I had this English teacher who every Friday, he started in like Center City, Philadelphia, or Upper Darby, close to Philadelphia. And he told a story every Friday because they saw their attendance was atrocious on Fridays. So, I mean, this teacher, Mr. Burkhead, um, Tucker Burkhead, and I'm going to try and get him on someday. <laughs> every Friday would tell these crazy and wild stories that were hilarious. I took his t- class two years in a row. And on the second year, I'm telling the stories because the first year they were so memorable. Wow. Um, yeah, he should have a podcast. Yeah, yeah. He's now a principal. Go figure. <laughs> um, and we always tried to get him to write a book. And then I also had another teacher my senior year, a science teacher. I did like science, but he was always trying to do something new and exciting and came interesting and engage kids. So he would always have like these clips on Fridays where he'd show a bunch of video clips to get us amped up about science or just something funny. So one thing that you do that I think is awesome and I'd like to hear about is Motivational Mondays. Yeah, the Motivational Monday came about um, when we came back. When all the kids came back to school after the whole COVID lockdown, um, I just saw a real disconnect out of the kids. I mean, it, it was there before COVID um, where kids seemed less engaged, um, but it really was magnified post-COVID coming back to school. And I felt like, you know, these kids need a little inspiration, a little motivation, and and I needed it, quite frankly. So I, I kind of figured, well, Monday is a good day to do it because everybody comes back to school, comes back to work on Monday, and you're coming off the weekend and, you know. We, we have, um, we start class, as you know, at 7.30. So I have a 7.30 in the morning health class for 15-year-olds. It's, it's hard rough on any day. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I thought, well, let me do some motivation on Monday. And of course, just found a bunch of great videos on YouTube. You know, something short, a um, couple minutes. And, you know, my favorite one is called, it's called the Lion, Lion Mentality. Uh, there's one. Is that the Christopher Walken one? I got the one where um, Ray Lewis, the okay. a lot of yeah, the narration. Yeah, yeah. And um, it just gets me fired up. And. Yeah, I'm trying to inspire the kids and I really want them. And with the lion mentality, it's all about how you have to, um, you know, lion's not the biggest animal in the jungle and it's not the fastest, but but it is the king of the jungle and it's right. because of its mentality. And so, uh, and then he compares it to like the gazelle and, you know, nothing significant happens in gazelle mode and talks about how you know, the only time really the gazelle's running is when the lion's pursuing it. Right. And so I, I connected with that. Like, yeah, how many of us or how many of my students, they're only really running when the teacher's putting pressure on them to complete the assignments, you know, the rest of the time, they're just gazelle standing there grazing, grazing on their phones. And, um, so I, you know, really wanted to implore them that, you know, you got to get in line mode. It's got to be an everyday thing and, um, great things can happen in line mode. And so that, that kind of started it with the lion one. And I found a, you know, a bunch of, bunch of other ones. There's another one that, uh, there's a great line there that says like, everybody's sitting on a winning lottery ticket but they don't cash it in. Right. And then, so we kind of explored that with the, why aren't people cashing in? Cause they're afraid, you know? Um, so it's all about finding your, your, your passions and pursuing them. Right. Taking risks are hard, but sitting and doing nothing is comfortable and easy. Yeah. And, and we can easily fall into, you know, bad routines and bad habits. And, and yeah, there's, there's, um, there's a whole bunch of videos out there. There's another guy I found that's really good too. He's a, um, uh, I think he might be from the Baltimore. I'm not sure, but, um, he was a guy who was kind of failed out of two high schools and was basically told by, by a teacher, like you're going nowhere. And he realized, wow, I'm the only person in my corner is my mom. And I'm kind of playing my mom because making these people look good. And so he realized I got to start, you know, get my act together. And now he's, he's got it. Like, I think he's got a he's PhD. He's written books. He's is that Eric Thomas? No, I want to say Jason something. I got okay. to remember who he was, but, uh, yeah, there's so many good clips out there that, um, and, and one's about, you know, just you're going to get knocked down about getting back up. The Rocky quit. Balboa thing. Yeah. yeah. Like these kids need, I, I feel like they really need to know that they got to find the fight in them because life demands it. Right. And I want them to have the best life possible. And you're going to have to and put I the work the, in. And the hardest part of all that, I mean, there's thousands, hundreds of thousands of videos and talking to my <clears throat> seven-year-old trying to get him fired up for wrestling. It's, it's all about implementation. Mm-hmm. So if you're telling this kid that he's got to be a lion, you look at my seven-year-old like, Lions are fun. They have manes. I'm like, come on, man. So he's got this new video game, Jurassic Park, where it's um it's Lego, but the Velociraptors chase around the pigs, and like that's part of the game. So I was like, in this wrestling match, are you going to be the the Velociraptor, or the pig? And he's like, Velociraptor. I'm like, yeah. And he comes back after winning his first one. He was like, she was the pig. I'm like, all right, <laughs> we can't say these things out loud. Like, Calm down, man. But it, it's all in how you kind of build it into them so what's the response like when when you show these videos um it, it's always with with teenagers at 7 30 morning it's always a mixed 
mixed review. You know, I could see kids that are kind of intently watching it. Others are zoned out. Um, you just hope you're planting seeds. Uh, I think you and I have had this conversation before that, you know, if you talk to people uh, outside of education and, and you tell them what you do, and, and then you'll, you'll often get this response sometimes like, oh man, that's really cool. You, you know, you get to impact lives. And I, I don't know about anybody else, but I don't really know that I'm doing that only because I never get to see the fruit of that. Right. Um, and there's one in a million that you do. You're like, I'm going to remember this forever. Yeah. Like you, <laughs> most of it is you, you have them for a short period of time. You're trying to, you're trying to plant all these seeds and reach them on some level. And then they, and then they, they leave, they leave the nest and then you never see them again, you know, like essentially, and you never, you wonder how they turn out. It was a, an interesting experience I did have though. This, this, I'm glad this happened to me and I'll, I'll remember it forever. It was a boy, um, probably a dozen years or so ago who, if you could just picture a high school kid, who's a jerk, like he was the, he was the poster boy for it. Um, the kind of kid I caught, caught him one day, uh, I was coming out of the locker room, going to the gym and he was, he was messing with bullying a, um, uh, student with special needs at the water fountain and just, just, just got my ire up something fierce. And he was just that kind of kid all the time. And I don't know what happened to him. I don't even know if he, if he, if he dropped out of school or graduated, but probably like three, four five years after that, I was at a minor league baseball game here in Frederick walking up to the concourse to go use the restroom. And there was a table there with like, they were like selling cell phones or something. And I saw him there. Like, oh my gosh, that's that kid, Chris. So I go to the bathroom. And of course, while I'm walking to the bathroom, now all these stories of Chris are coming back in my head that were also negative. And I come out of the bathroom, and he immediately locks eyes with me and starts moving out from around the table. And I'm tensing up. I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, there's going to be a confrontation. The last interaction might, was bad. This kid so. might be going, hey, I got you off campus now. Like, I yeah. could take a swing at you. <laughs> and he walks up to me and he goes, hey, Mr. Barner, I don't know if you remember me. And I go, Chris. And he's like, you just take it back a little bit that I remember his name. And uh, he says, I just wanted to apologize. He goes, I was just a real jerk in high school. I had a lot of stuff. I was messed up. And uh, I couldn't believe it. I was so stunned. Like, I think back now and I go, man, there's so much more I wanted to say to him, right. you know, because I wasn't prepared for that. But I, the, the things I wanted to impart on him in that moment was, um, one, that's huge of you to actually right. come up here and that, have the courage. That was on un- most right. people would avoid that altogether. And two, I wanted to let him know. You're, it's totally okay, man. Like I don't hold that against you. We were all 15, 16, 17 at one point, And a lot of us did stupid stuff. We're not nice to people. We're not nice to people now. Sometimes. So, um, so I want to let them know you're totally, don't worry about it. Don't lose sleep over it. Um, but yeah, I really, that was the only time that I really got to see like one of those significant moments where, Hey, something positive did happen. You got the ending to the story, so to speak. And but most of the time we don't get that. So I hope I'm imparting good things with these motivational Mondays. Yeah, we'll it certainly doesn't feel like it at the time, but no, it's, it's one of those things where if you can reach one kid and get one kid to turn in an extra assignment that day, you may never know, but it's like, yeah, it was all worth it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we keep trying keep swinging, you know? Yeah. Well, you definitely have motivated me. So again, there's been times and I've talked about at the beginning of this podcast where I felt like I was at my lowest. I was out of shape. I was lost because I was leaving one career and kind of transitioning to a new one. And I, and I just didn't really know what to do next. And I've always had a mission in front of me. I've always had something to chase. I've always had something to do. I wanted to be the best bodybuilder ever. I wanted to be an NFL football player. I wanted to coach at the highest level I could. I wanted state championships and all that kind of was gone or I physically couldn't do it anymore. So we sat down and, and you kind of brought this idea to my head and it's not original, but it's something that I needed at the time. So we started talking about dragons and kind of how did you get on to chasing that dragon and what turned you on to that mentality um well yeah i mean i just like a lot of people I just soak up stuff um i i think it might have been a jordan peterson video i don't know um but i remember hearing it and it stuck with me that you know as men um i mean everybody needs to chase dragon you know needs to slay the dragon but he was specifically talking to men and, and being a man I, I related to it and he was saying you know you have to go out there and slay dragons and he gives an example of you know, you might really want this job, but you're, you're afraid of in the job interview. And he says, well, that you have to slay what is in front of you to get to what you want need. Um, and the dragon can really be slain. Dragon can be like a metaphor for so many things. Right. Um, and so it was something that's kind of been with me. And then you and I were talking as you're, you were in the process of this transition. I mean, it wasn't something that happened overnight. You were working on your coursework to become an admin while at the same time you were, of course, uh, uh, CTE teacher and a, and a successful football coach turning around a, a, a program that was kind of dead in the water. <laughs> and then it was really getting successful as the transition was about to take place. And 
I could sense the, the struggle in you, put myself in your shoes, thinking, wow, this is going to be really hard for Kevin. I mean, I'm having conversations with my wife about it. Like, man, this is going to be hard for Kevin. He's, he's been a su- successful head football coach. And that's, that's an easy dragon. You're slaying your opponents. You know, you're, you're so put- measurable. The yeah. feedback is so fast. And it feels good. It's really satisfying <laughs> um, to see the growth in your kids and your players as young men, as football players, as athletes. And, and then you're, yeah, you're, you're taking a program that, that got, you know, was really like a, got kicked when it was down and now is, is, is throwing punches back. And, and now you're going to give all of that up and he's going to go in, in the front office, essentially wear a tie and a shirt. Like we never saw Kevin that way. We always saw him in like <laughs> his, his shorts around. with like sawdust all over from his wood shop <laughs> or his football coaching tire. And I'm like, man, this is going to be really tough for him. Is he going to be able to find the dragons yeah, and find the purpose, you know? And the productivity that he's looking for, you know, cause you gotta, you gotta have something, you gotta have some red meat to sink your teeth into. And so, yeah, I was thinking about it. And then you came to me one day and I, and we started talking and that's what, that just like, just came right out of my mouth about, you got to find something in this new position to slay dragons. And, right. Um, I'm, I mean, you're anybody who knows Kevin knows he's like one of the most driven people I, I've ever met. I mean, both, you know, professionally in the coaching realm, um, and then personally with your, all, all of your bench pressing accomplishments and yeah, all the ch- physical challenges you like to do with your body. Um, and now you're young, you know, you got, you got young boys and, you know, so you're, you're just hitting it out of the park all over the place. And, but it's still not an easy transition to go to an administrative role from what you were used to. And, sure. and you had to, you know, people may not know you, you know, he, he was forced to give up the coaching. Like you couldn't be an administrator and, and still coach football. So I, I've found a lot more school districts that that is their policy. Like, not that I'm looking anywhere, but like I talk to other people and they're like, yeah, we're, we're not allowed to do that here either. Hmm. I'm like, like other than going to a private school, I'm like, can't someone just turn a blind eye here? <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. Especially when things were rolling so good. I mean, the year, the year you made your transition was the year you were, your team was undefeated. Right. And, and it was a great time to be involved yeah. with Frederick football. And, you know, most people, it's, it's a lot easier to walk away when you know the program's down it's like all right my time's up here this is easy to walk away but this was like i'm walking away when things are like this is the juiciest it's ever been this is awesome and now i gotta walk away but that was hard so yeah that's where that came from and we had that conversation in my office and you know i was like thinking can kevin find some dragons to slay in his new role and his new mission and i like i said like i've said a thousand times i definitely <clears throat> have them in my personal life and some of the things i want to do there i mean as an admin there's really at this point, I don't even know what the dragons are because there's so much learning happening. Like every day I'm learning 50 new things and like I have some big goals and I have some ideas and plans, but they're all kind of small scale just because I don't really know what I'm working with here. So probably in a year or two, I'll, I'll hopefully have my feet under me enough to where I can be like, all right, let's make some big time change. Yeah. But for now, it's just trying to survive the day to day. And I love how you added the, the demons to it because I think the, the, the dragon and demon can be interchangeable. Uh, they can be one and the same because you know, like Jordan Peterson mentioned, like somebody's scared on the job interview, but, um, you know, there's other, there's other dragons or, that are, or that are demons that are like your, your, your self doubt, right. you know, your, 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 maybe your, your selfishness, your laziness, that's just holding you back. Your fears, your fears is a big one, um, for anybody. So, you know, uh, I love the whole dragons and demons cause man, we're fighting demons too all the time, you know, right. to be and, a good person and good man. I mean, it can be even bigger than that. It can be people who suffer from substance abuse and and people who just have poor eating habits and things like that, that really affects them all the way down to bad relationships. And if Mm -hmm. you keep people around you that are not supportive, then that could be the worst demon you could face. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great, great title. (coughs) Really meaningful. Yeah. We're really trying. I'm trying. We, I keep saying we, me, myself, (laughs) I'm really trying to push this out there. And I I have some plans for some guest speakers that I think are going to bring more light to the demons and kind of show like, you can fight through any adversity in front of you as long as you're alive and kicking every single day. I mean, it's kind of like growing up, my dad was sick and in his deathbed and he'd be like, how you doing dad? And even when he couldn't talk, he'd always throw that thumbs up. Like there's always a bright side on this man. He can't talk. He can barely eat. He can't get out of bed. He can't do any of the things that he's loving, but he can put a thumbs up and tell me he's having a good day. Yeah. This, so, there's uh, yeah. lots of people we can draw inspiration from. Um, yeah. I mean, your dad there for you is, 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 is a perfect example. Um, yeah, there's so many people that are getting up off the mat and they're, they're taking swings at it again. And, um, yeah, this, it's a really good reminder that, uh, you know, we're not in this alone. We all got, we all got dragons. We all got demons and, but it feels really satisfying too. When you're slaying that dragon, right. I really feel like, you know, you're that, that, like, if that dragon was, was literally at your door of your home, 
you would do whatever you could to protect your family and you know you would defeat that dragon and so we're, we're kind of going out in the world and we're kind of doing that too and um and then we're also doing it just interpersonally with our own little demons so all right so you spoke a little bit about our football program so what was it about five six years ago yeah so it's we, all, we, it's we all had blending a, together i don't know we had a statistician that wasn't very attentive to our game so out of nowhere i went up to john here and i was like hey can you do me a favor and do stats for us because my guy can't show up and this is it's super useful to have stats done because i can call the newspaper and have my stats ready if we're towards the end of the season and we're looking at records and we're trying to get these high school kids to break something or achieve something it's good to have those things kind of on the spot yes we can watch the film and go back and fix or add or change or whatever um but it's so useful to have them on the spot <clears throat> so my normal statistician couldn't make it so i reached out to you and and the job you did there was again like you just took this and made it like an obsession you took this <laughs> and you were like so detail-oriented i had this sheet printed out and i looked at yours and was like oh you brought your own <laughs> yeah. all right i'm gonna throw this in the garbage <laughs> because yours is exactly okay you got it just <laughs> let me know when you're done so you started doing that finished out that season and then i just kind of kept counting you to come back every year so yeah no it was it was a blessing that you asked me to do that um I was really, really grateful and fortunate. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I've, I've coached, um, I've been a head soccer coach for boys soccer, head, co head soccer coach for girls soccer. And then since 2010, I've been um, coaching unified sports, which is students with and without disabilities on the same team, um, unified tennis, unified bocce, and the unified track. Um, but I had stepped step down from coaching soccer, uh, oh, I guess it was around 18, 19, somewhere in there. And it, that was one of those things that, that, brought me some satisfaction. I mean, anybody who's ever coached, I, I love watching coaches uh, and see how they do things. I well, any sport. And um, I kind of, I kind of missed it. I mean, you see this with coaches once when they get out of coaching, they can't help themselves and they find themselves back into coaching. And it was and, interesting after a game, like my other coaches would just be off doing their thing. And you would come up to me and ask me critical questions about coaching, like nothing offensive and nothing like, why'd you make that stupid play call? I was like, why did you have to do this, this, and this? Or how did this coach come up with that game plan? I was like, why are you asking me? Okay. Here's like, I, I was confused, but now I, I get it. Yeah. I'm not going to remember um, I have, I, I, just, just like when I was coaching soccer, it would win or lose. And we won a lot of games when you were with the head coach when I joined you. Um, I would replay so many things in my head and I had no football background. I never played football, just been a fan of football. And um, I would go out the drive home. I'd be thinking about it. I come home. I talk to my wife about the game, go to bed, laying there, thinking about it and then yeah i'd often wake up on saturday morning and i'd be texting i'd be texting you going now what about this and this was really good but if you know if this continues to happen this could be a problem against different teams like i couldn't and then i felt i remember actually as i was sending a text going like i'm gonna be annoying kevin like he's probably <laughs> like you're just the stat guy what are you doing um but it just i always felt this about coaching it, it consumed me and that can be a dangerous thing for coaches it can yeah. really it can consume you um if you're not careful and yeah this started to consume me but in a positive way and I told you this um, after doing it. Well, yeah, it was funny. Kevin asked me to do it. He asked me to do it. He, it was like the first game. You're like, yeah, my statistician can't be here. Can you do it? And I sat up in the stands right underneath the press box. And yeah, I, I, I didn't know really what you wanted. So I started kind of making my own sheets. And they kind of grew each week. Um, I mean, I was tracking every play, what had happened. Then I put together a little drive chart so you could see, you know, how, how many yards you got or how many penalties, all kinds of things. And um and then, of course, after the first week, you're like, can you do it again next week? And I was like, oh, okay. So this is going to be an every day. And then it just became every week. But, I, but you know, a couple of weeks into it, um, and the team was having so much success. And then you just told me, well, come down on the field, you know, because I was having trouble spotting the ball from where I was sitting. And the sideline was amazing. Right. You know, the, just you could feel the energy. You could hear the coaches interact with the players. You could feel and hear the game the juice. I mean, it was like the best place to be on a Friday night is on the sideline of a football game. I just absolutely loved it. And I told you, I said, one of the best things about this is for two, two and a half hours, whatever it is, I am like laser focused on one thing only. And that is the snap of the ball and what, you know, who's running it, who's catching it, how many yards, was there a penalty like that? I was absorbed with it. And I just blocked out the rest of the world, whatever troubles, whatever happened that week, I was just zoned in on, you know, the, what the team was doing. And I was learning a lot too more about the game and then, you know, kids would come up to me in the hallway and, you know, tell them what a great game they had. And then they, they sometimes were surprised when I would tell them their stats. <laughs> oh, no way. Um, so it was really cool to start to develop those interactions with some of the players. So, yeah, it's been great. And I'm going to keep doing it. Um, I love it. And it kind of filled that little void of not being a head coach anymore. 
Um, so it gave me a little bit of that juice of, mm-hmm. you know, looking forward to a game and being involved in a small way. So I appreciate the offer and yeah. it worked out great. Yeah. For both of us. I mean, <laughs> I think the stat, like I've said before, the stats are so important and there's definitely been times where the, uh, Brubaker, the, the godfather of stats, he thinks I've been able to correct him because of the sheets I have stacked <laughs> in my book bag. So. And I'm definitely old school about like the Brubaker and other people. So why don't you just get some tablet app and all that stuff? And I'm like, that's too complicated. I just like my <laughs> paper sheets and pencils, pencils and, a, and a tally system. I've got my system and right. I, I like doing it. Um, so what kind of, at, what was the team like the first few years? Do you remember who the players were? Well, yeah. So I've been at Ferticon since, since 97. I mean, for when you're doing stats. Um, yeah, no, we were pretty good right from the get, right from Is the that, time you brought me in. been there for Tay's whole career? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And then before that a little, like before COVID, were you with us? No, not before COVID. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, in that four years since COVID pretty much, what, what did the growth of our football program seem like? Oh man, it's, it's been amazing. I mean, you, you came in and it, yeah, like I said, from 97 to the time I've been there, it, it, it's had a sprinkling of a few good, really good years, but most of it's been, you know, <laughs> um, collecting lots of losses by like you know, dozens of points, like yeah. not games that weren't even close, like really painful, hard to recover from kind of losses. And I think it was like that when you started, um, and you were a young, young coach, uh, and you, but you jumped right in and, uh, you know, I guess you had a vision and you started with your plan and I didn't know what I had <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you tried to get, you know, good people involved. I know, um, you know, being a Buckeye fan and, loving Jim Trestle, like he, he always said, and I think maybe it was a Woody Hayes line too, was like, you, you win with people and you're like, mm-hmm. you started to assemble like really good people around you and everybody getting on the same page. And all of a sudden, you know, you start moving the needle. And yet once that thing started taking off, I mean, it was just electric, you know, it was so great to see the success. And then as a coach, I know that had to feel really good to see it is a program people are proud of now. Right. And, and that part was special, but it was really hard to sit back and reflect when you were in it because winning is so hard. Winning, keeping everybody happy, just continuing to improve every single game after you've gone undefeated, it's, it's so difficult. And, and the hardest part is probably just managing the other staff members who, I mean, they just want what's best for their kids in their position group, so you can't really fault them. But it's, it's tough to balance them all, especially in a, in a field of play where there's 11 players and there's potentially five different coaches coaching some of these 11 kids. It's, that was frustrating, and, and that part was exhausting. So, yeah, <laughs> you, I, I, you talked about leaving when it, when times were going well. Energy wise, it was very easy, easy to leave then, because <laughs> like, man, the years where we were giving up and we were two and five going into the last three games of the seasons, it was like, whatever, let's just go out and have fun at practice, have fun at this game, yeah, get a couple stats, no skin off my back. But now it was like, it was a lot of energy. Yeah, every little thing mattered. Then at the end, every little play, every little thing at practice, every little video. Anything you could gain advantage, um, because yeah, a lot was at stake. Now all of a sudden, the stake the, the stakes were the, the bar was raised. You raised the bar really high to the expectations, and that puts more pressure on everybody. Yeah. yeah. So you've been at <clears throat> Frederick Hall for a very long time. You've seen a bunch of different generations of athletes. Um, <clears throat> technically, a generation is twenty to thirty years, um, but I read somewhere that a generation of students and in, in school population wise is every five to ten years. So what kind of generational changes have you seen in students and student athletes? Um, yeah, I guess I use the COVID as a, as a, as a watermark, you know, that, that 1920, you know, 20, certainly, um, it's like an easy place to kind of That was right around your 20, right? Yeah. So now yeah, it was my 20, 30. Yeah. Like that, yeah. Yeah. So, um, cause I, I want to say the first, you know, maybe, maybe decade of my career, you know, 97 to 2007, everything kind of seemed the same as far as, you know, students. Um, I think a lot changed certainly with the, the, the iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I have a stat in my health class, with my kids that, that I found somewhere, um, sadly about depression, how depression in teens, of course was exacerbated, um, COVID post COVID, but that it was steadily increasing since like 2007, 2008. And I throw that out to my kids and I'm like, look, there's no, nothing else to back that up. It just gives you that stat. What happened in 2007, 2008? And my kids reached the conclusion. They're like, um, at the time, everybody had an iPhone. I'm like, right. yeah, bingo. I want to go with that too. So I think that started to change kids in the classroom. Um, and then since we've come back from COVID, just the level of disengagement, apathy. You know, I really feel for these kids. I had a, I had a student just about maybe two years ago said something really profound. 
it was like one of the first days of, of health class. He said, hey, Mr. Potter, I think it was easier to grow up in your generation than my generation. And I was like, 100 percent and i thought well you know i lived through my generation maybe physically more demanding <laughs> that while walking uphill both ways yeah, in the snow in the when snow, it's right, 10 right. degrees out in the shorts that, that must have been tough so <clears throat> you know but I, but i had the perspective of well yeah i lived through my generation now i teach your generation so i could you know have a pretty good sense of comparing it to him thinking this kid how does he know my generation he must have really had some really good conversations with his parents or grandparents or something um so really perceptive comment and um i yeah i wouldn't trade growing up you know, now with, and switching it for when I grew up, like, I'm so glad I grew up when I did. Um, it, it's just hard. It's just that, you know, a different beast. Um, I remember you said it, you were in the building as we were starting to transition and you said, teachers need to understand these kids are broken. I remember, I remember those words coming out of your mouth. Those are still are <laughs> still, right. And, but that really stuck with me that yeah, these kids need a lot of help and they don't even know it. I mean, they, uh, they don't even know kind of maybe how, how disengaged they are or struggles they might be having. Um, I think they're overwhelmed, you know, and I know we get on them that like this generation is, is soft or this generation is lazy and those, those things should be certainly true. Um, but I, I think I feel bad. I think we as the older generations, you know, we did something wrong here. Uh, we got to kind of help fix these kids so they can be really productive, um, satisfied, happy, uh, you know, adults and citizens. So we, we need them, right. you know, a lot of work to be done. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> I'm, I do believe that these kids are broken. They've, they've missed out on experiences. I mean, we see a lot of kind of rough housing sort of play from kids in the school now that like you would be like, that's seventh grade behavior. But then you think uh -huh. back and you're like, uh, three or four of these grades had didn't have seventh grade. So they didn't really have a chance to kind of get that out of their system in middle school. So now they're in high school acting like middle schoolers and, and missing two or two and a half or three years of their regular school days is kind of like well that's that's kind of putting it all in the same direction and then we're also trying to catch them up on that catch them up on this new world of social media that's way bigger than it's ever been catch them up on the academic side as well like there's so much catching up going on so these kids it's going to be a struggle for them and for i, a I just time. had a conversation uh just last past <laughs> week that what you, exactly what you said i was sharing with some colleagues some guys in my department about some of the struggles in my ninth grade health class and said yeah they're i feel like i'm teaching middle schools and the one teacher had a middle school experience and he's background and he said yeah th this reminds me of a middle school and um you know more so than ever so yeah you're seeing those those middle school behaviors and it's you know middle school is the hardest age I, I i could be a high school teacher i could even go back and be an elementary school teacher but middle school teachers i they're like saints man i remember my wife and i we had at one point kids stepkids we had we had a sixth seventh and eighth grader in the house and and you know they're all like screaming crying uh, and my wife looked at me and goes, I, I don't know how middle school teachers do it. I was like, what do you mean? She goes, I don't even like our kids. I'm like, yeah, I don't like our kids either. Like, how do, they, how do middle school teachers care so much about other people's kids? It's, it's a tough group. And, um, you know, and so, yeah, I think we're seeing that even in high school, that lack of maturity and, you know, yeah, they're entitled. There's a lot of entitlement. Um, I think that play, you'll see that more in athletics. I think I, I often feel like this is what, when I stepped away from soccer, I felt like kids are somewhat delusional. <laughs> Um, I felt like because it was, maybe things were a little, um, less sheltered when we were kids growing up that when it came to sports, like people were, had no trouble, adults, coaches had no trouble telling you where you stood. Right. And now it's like, you can't even look at a kid the wrong way without them maybe breaking down or now you're going to hear from their parents. It's like, so it's a lot of, you got to be really careful what you say and how you conduct yourselves. And, we, have, and we also have this Twitter generation where every showcase, every braggy highlight is on social media and on Twitter. Yeah. So these kids only see the kid who gets 15 offers and gets to pick one. That's all they see. They don't see the kid who grinded to get one because that's not cool and popular. Mm -hmm. We've had summer camps where the kid's like, how many offers do you have? Like, this is the best running back in the state. He doesn't have any offers yet. Yeah. But it's really hard to get offers. And the kid's like, ah, you stink. Like, yeah, you're never going to be this. Yeah. You better hope and pray that you get an opportunity to get uh, any sort of offer or college wanting you to reach out like. Offers aren't what they are on Twitter. You, not everybody gets a dozen of them. Yeah. So there's definitely like this little, that's what I call delusionment. Like they really don't know. And they have this like self-inflated importance. Uh, and I, I don't know if that's come from, you know, the, 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 everybody gets a trophy thing or from parents just continually to like, we want to boost our kids self-esteem, but you know, they, they're in for some rough lessons and, you know, sports is supposed to teach that. I mean, I, I, I look back on my own uh, experiences in sports and athletics and, it was tough at times, but it taught me some really good lessons and made me 
maybe work harder. You know, like right. if you really want something, it's not going to be easy. And you I know, think not one, hand of the, one of my favorite lessons that I've ever learned in playing my mom, who's upstairs right now, I don't know if she realized what she had did to me when she said this comment, but I was a junior starting on my varsity football team. And there was a package where we would go spread in our offense and I was chubby, fat, slow kids. So they would take me out. <laughs> and coach yelled at me one time, you're the biggest, strongest little girl ever get off the field. Ooh. And they put in like this real tall, skinny basketball kid. And he was the guy and like, he never played before, but he was a senior. He was way more athletic than me and he, he deserved it. So I'd go home and I tell my mom, I was like, I got taken out of these packages. I'm no longer on spread. And like, that's a big chunk of my playing time. I don't know what to do. And she's like, last coach. I was like, I don't want to ask coach. He's going to yell at me. He already yelled at me. That's mm -hmm. why I got, she's like, all right, then quit. I was like, I can't quit. He's like, all right, well then work harder. And I was like, damn mom, just like that. All right. So I did, I went back to the coach and I said, what kind of feedback can I get? Like, mm -hmm. I, and I said it kind of probably in a smart ass way, but I was like, not to be disrespectful, but why'd I get taken off? And coach was like, well, that is disrespectful. Don't ever question me. And mm -hmm. I left with my tail tucked between my legs. Like the right before practice later that day, he pulled me aside. He was like, look, I didn't mean to come off at you so hot. He was like, the kid is just way more athletic than you. Like, it's just, it is what it is. Next year, you'll have your shot, or if you can keep busting your butt like you do and have more good plays than bad, you'll get that back. But in the meantime, he's our best shot. It's like, all right, I get it. That kid breaks his hand. I, I wow. am not missing any playing time in any games that year, but it was like, I, I just, I knew the plays. I, I did what I could to be the best on the field. And, and sometimes it just isn't that way. But that dose of reality I got from Mama Dukes was like, damn, all right. I yeah, guess this really, is a me problem that I need to go fix. Some really good wisdom. Or I just give up and walk away. Like it, it it's just as simple as that. Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with like, you know, putting in the hard work to get what you want. I mean, that's right. the way it's supposed to be. You know, it's not just going to be handed to you. <laughs> so you touched on some of this already. Pre-COVID versus post-COVID. What are some of the biggest impacts? And, and we've already kind of talked about the middle schoolish behavior, but what other impacts do you see, both in school and athletics? Um, in school, again, I think it's the 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 connect disconnect thing. Um you know, it, like here's this one interesting about COVID. Like, so I, I mentioned I coach the unified sports, right? Um, and I coach the tennis, the bocce, and then the the track. And um, the what's it the the senior class now, right? So 2024. So those are the kids that in the history of, that I know of, in the history of 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 kids going to school, maybe back to I don't know Laura Ingrolstein, right? They're the kids that missed their first day of high school. Like, like you could probably remember your first day of high school, right? I know yeah. exactly. I could picture, I have flashes in my head, right? They, their first day of high school was at home looking at a computer, right? The only kid, the only, the only, the only graduating class to have that experience of their first day of high school being at home. And so in, in the unified area, we just never seemed to, by the time those kids came into school, I was never able to really capture them. And so every time we do a little like awards team celebration banquet at the end of each season, you know, going through the years, that was always the group that was, I had, I had nobody like, you know, like, like this year I was fortunate to get one senior, you know, last year I had no juniors, like the year before that I had no sophomores, it was like really weird. So I called it my COVID class. Like, so, you know, it had its impact in, in like, so think about it. If you didn't have your first start of high school, traditionally the way we've all had it, and then you've come back at some point later that year or the next year, depending on your school district, I guess, like you missed out on that, like that opportunity to, to capture kids or to get that high school experience. And so we kind of lost kids there. Um, and it's hard to get them back. And now we've come back a long way, I think, but I think that there's definitely been a, uh, you know, and it's definitely had a negative impact of reaching kids and then having them jump right in and start to experience it. They've had to really be pulled along to, to get back into, this is what we do at high school. This right. is how we do, uh, you know, our, our, um, you know, homecoming week and all that stuff so um and then in the classroom you know now man of course policies is you know you gotta lock every door and so i feel like we're, we're isolated a lot of times um you know we don't really kind of get together although we do a great job with our with our you know having our assemblies i'm really plugging my kids like my ninth graders to to get involved and i always ask at the beginning you know i teach teach uh, a different class each quarter each term so i get them four times a year and i'll always catch up with kids like all right who played a fall sport you know, who's, who's on a winter sport, who's going to try for spring sport, who's in the band, who's in a drama production, um, who's in a club. And then it's like so few hands, you know? And then we, of course, at our school, we have the links experience. Like who's been on a links experience? 
two or three kids. I'm like, wow, these kids are doing nothing. I'm like, guys, you have so much available to you. And most of it's free or very inexpensive. Like take advantage of it. You know, you're four years of high school. If you live to 80 is what? 5% of your life. Like you, you don't get this experience again. Like do everything possible. Get the most out of your teachers. And, you know, even if you just go attend a basketball game, like I always give our kids, okay, tonight the, you know, the boys or girls basketball games home, go to the game. If you're not, have nothing to do. Um, so, you know, I think they need to be, while we're having all these events, they need to be really, you know, I don't want to say drag to them, but they really need you to keep feeding this to them that get involved, get involved. Cause they're so afraid to get involved. I don't know what the barriers are, but they they've lost it. Um, and I remember thinking from the athletic standpoint, I remember thinking this as we were going through the whole COVID thing, I was like, wow, I wonder when we come out on the other side, what this is going to look like for athletics, because for, for programs at schools where maybe they, they're always barely hanging on anyways, like pre-COVID, like they could barely feel the JV because maybe it's a small school or the program's just not that popular that figure those programs might not ever come back because in all programs, but particularly in those programs, high school, you're going to have a handful of a certain percentage of kids that are, that are really just doing it because they want to hang out with their friends. Like they're, they're not like a full-time football player. They're not playing soccer year round in a club team. They just kind of do it because they, they want to do something. Their parents want to do something in high school or their friends are on the team. Well, those kids, after you took that away for a whole year, they're not going to probably come back, right? They, they probably got into other things. Now they got a part-time job. Now they, they're taking up an, an instrument, which is all great. But, you know, those programs are going to suffer to get those kids back. So I'd be interested to see nationally how that's how that's shaken yeah, there, out. There was a stat, and I think I saw it on Twitter back when I used to be on there. <clears throat> there was like a listing of the number of kids, and I think it was like California. It was a specific state. The number of kids that didn't play football because of the COVID pandemic. How many of those kids are now fathers? How many of them have joined gangs? How many of them got oh. arrested? How many of them got murdered? And like all these stats, which I have no idea how they can track those. Yeah. But like it was an appalling, terrifying number. Hmm. I think the, the biggest part of our success and in, in kind of our uptick in football. So during that COVID season, we had a stacked roster. We thought we were the best. My coaching staff that I had at the end was fully intact pretty much then. And I was like, this is it. This is going to be the year. And we didn't have a fall season that year. What would have killed us and started us all the way back to ground zero and put me back at a one and nine, two and eight type of team was we had a spring season following that. And that spring season did not go well. We went two and two. We only played two, four out of the six games because we caught COVID. A couple of kids on the team got it. Luckily, during that two weeks was when Mason was born. So I was able to actually be home. Like we were in the hospital and I was fielding phone calls we had to shut the game down. Um, Otherwise, I was going to miss that game. And actually, my defensive coordinator was going to be the acting head coach. He caught COVID, so he was out. So my offensive coordinator was going to act, and then our DBX coach was going to be the DC. Like, it was it was a jumbled mess. Crazy. But um, we had that season where we went 2-2 two and two and not so great. We only graduated four or five seniors, four of which went to play college ball. We had, like, a couple weeks off, and then we started right in. So that was, like, our spring season. Yeah. We had a couple weeks off. We're in summer, and we just like the kids didn't forget for once. Every year, we have to reinstall the offense. Every year, we have to reteach these kids. Even our best kids forget. They brain right. dump everything. So the fact that it was so close together, I think, was the biggest part of our success. Because our kids in our school usually aren't the kids that are going to go find a personal trainer. They're not going to really get the team together in an off season because they're playing every single sport they can. Our our school is when you find one good athlete, he's he's playing as many as possible. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know I got a stepdaughter plays full varsity sports yeah. <laughs> yeah. and she kills it at all of them. So, um, but they were able to play through and then we had success that next year and then we had success in the next season. It was just like a perfect storm, but I'm telling you, if we didn't have a COVID season, if they would have shut that down, mm-hmm. we probably would have been a two and eight team in that fall and we, we would have started all over again. Yeah. That was this, that was the semester where we, we crammed in three seasons of sports, right? In, in, in like 18 weeks. Yeah, it was crazy. 13 weeks um, or something. And I remember at the time with my unified, I think I had four I had four kids for un, for my unified bocce, which I normally have like 25. And we had one match. And I remember the whole, my whole goal was just keep this thing afloat. Right. You know, keep, 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 keep a pulse. Yeah. And we'll try to pull this back together when we come back the next school year. So yeah, I'm sure you really do now with football. And, and we were in such a positive place. It was like, man, if I, if we let this ball, like, Part of me was like, if we don't play this spring, I think I, I have to walk away. Like, I, I can't, I don't have it in me to rebuild again. We start all over again. I, I've spent too much time killing myself and spending 20 hour days here to, to rebuild it to where it is now. I don't have it in me. So luckily we got a season in it. Again, it wasn't the best, but it, it really springboarded us to what we are now. So yeah, they're in a good, they're in a good place. Yeah, for sure. So age old question, soccer versus football. 
what, what are your <laughs> observations? Not going to ask um, you which one's better because I'm afraid of no, the no, answer. No, no, no. But <laughs> it's it's uh, I'm definitely a guy who um, probably played and coached soccer like a football player. Like I, I just was. Um, again, I, I told you I grew up in a neighborhood where you kind of had to prove yourself. Um, we did that a lot through street hockey. It was really kind of a very physical uh, thing back in the in the in the, in the early eighties. Um, and I, ironically, I didn't play football in part because my mom was a nurse, and um, she football injury. She said football injuries, <laughs> and she's like, "You're not. You can play any sport but football." And um, but here's this here's this the ridiculous part is that anytime it snowed, and we got at least a couple inches, um, we had no again we had no yards right, and so we would just go out in the street and play tackle football on the snow pavement. Um, I, I one time playing sh- just t- just football in the street, uh, ran into just was running full speed down, caught caught a ball and then landed on a parked car, and just I don't know how I didn't break my break my my femur. Um, and then we would go on sometimes on the weekends we'd go to we had like a field like a mile away we'd go there and play tackle football you know no equipment and so I'm like, hey ma, like <laughs> now we can wear pads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'd be wearing pads. Yeah. And then of course now soccer you have all these head injuries and right. concussions right so. Um, but that was the reason, that was the, the, the reasons why I never got to play football, but, um, I kind of had that, I guess that football mentality and, um, I, I, yeah, I can definitely see that when I coached, I, I wanted my kids to be tough. Um, I wanted them to have a lot of camaraderie, you know, do it for the players, you know, next to you, in front of you, behind you. Um, and so, yeah, I brought a little bit of that. I, I'd say I, my biggest pet peeve with, with, with soccer, uh, or football as they call it and everywhere else around the world is I really can't stand the, the, the players just falling all over the place, the grabbing flopping. their leg like they're dying. Yeah. The flop and the dive. And like, it's comical to watch them get like stretchered off the field. Yeah, they and then to. they're right back in it. Right. And I get it. They're trying to, they're trying to get a card and get the other team, you know, to be down a man. But I just found that to be so appalling because when I played, the last thing I wanted my opponent to do would be to knock me down. And if he right. did, I'm getting right back up. Like you didn't get the best. Didn't hurt me. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Um, so I, it just doesn't jibe with this like soccer where I'm going to dive all over the place, but um, it's not to say the soccer players aren't tough. I mean, they are, these, these guys are incredible athletes, uh, do amazing things with their feet. Um, and they are, their fitness level is amazing. Um, but it's different than I had the opportunity to coach both girls and boys. I got to see that. Um, I remember when I, when I started getting into coaching girls, I, I never thought I would because I, I can remember being at a Furukai boys practice in the late nineties at a water break. Girls were practicing the field next over. And one of my guys says to me, Hey coach, check out the girls team over there. You want to go coach that? I looked down and was like, never like, <laughs> right. And then I find myself again, these things, I don't know what happens. I find myself in uh, helping out the, 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 uh, the girls coach at one point after I'd stopped uh, coaching boys, the girls coach, I got to know him. He needed help. I, I ended up helping him out. And then, I fell in love with it. And I remember telling the girls, I told the girls that I would tell them that story. And then I'd say, you know what? I could never go back to coaching boys. But now I'm to the point because I, I have a lot of boys in my um, soccer classes at school. I really, if I was going to coach soccer again, it would be boys. Like, yeah. it's, so there's, 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 it's a different experience um, for both. And then, of course, it's different with football because, you know, football is, is uh, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of guts and courage. You really have to, to be able to, line up with somebody and you're going to get smacked. You're going to hit somebody. You're going to get run over and you right. got to toughen up and stop somebody. And you, you find out how tough you are on a football field. There's no question. I've seen it like right there from the sidelines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there, there was another inspiration you had for me and this was the peak of COVID and it's not in your list of questions. That's oh it. gosh. <laughs> Here comes a curveball. Um, I would like to throw one or two. <laughs> so in the peak of COVID, you had sent me a video of you working out. We used to train together back in the day when you were like, I'm just going to get up to 225 and you were just taking these tiny little baby steps. And I'm sitting there like, you could probably get 225, but you're just going to do your thing. And, and I get it. You want to take care of yourself. You're not as aggressive as me. Um, but in like the peak of COVID, when no one's leaving their house, you sent me a video like I'm taking back my bench press, <laughs> taking back my bench. I'm taking all the laundry off of it and I'm going <laughs> to take it back and I'm going to start working out again. So that really, I mean, I was, I had a decent little garage gym set up, but I sent you a video of my garage gym and I was like, you know what? This is it. I'm not going back to a commercial gym. I'm training at home. I'll go back to the school gym. I'll go to a commercial t- gym from time to time. But that kind of got me fired up to like, let me make huh. this. The, the yeah, no, you got a great setup here. So um, how's that going? I know yeah, you, you took it back again. Like you, yeah, I've never been a commercial gym guy. I mean, again, that wasn't a thing when I was a kid. There was no commercial gyms where I grew up. Um, 
everybody just had weights in their in their hand. And again, we didn't even have garages. Guys just had benches on their back patios. Um, so uh, yeah, and well, that's a good story because Kevin, you know, Kevin, if people don't know, he uh, he's he's hold some some bench press uh, Pennsylvania and Maryland um, records. What five trophies are in the corner? Five what? Five seventy. Five hundred seventy pounds. Like it's it's I can't even fathom it. And he was really into this, you know, of course he's been into it, but he was into it a couple of years ago and he was talking to me and I, I guess I was my early 50s, yeah, probably early to mid fifties. It was just a couple of years ago and said, yeah, you know, I, I can remember I bench pressed, um, two, I think it was 240 or something was my max, 242 maybe was my max when I was like in college and said, you know, Kevin, of course is like, think you can was do that, it now. You I had was a like, goal by your birthday what? or something like and that. And so we had, we had a common planning period and. I remember we, I set the goal for the end of the school year. I figured I'm going to need all the time I can get on this one. And because at that point I was just trying to make, just trying to keep myself healthy, right? Stay out of the hospital. And um, you would come down and then we'd, we'd go into the weight room for, you know, 15 minutes or whatever to do our thing on the bench. And then you did it a couple times a week. And I think I hit it by like April. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think I surpassed it by like five pounds. That muscle something. memory is no joke. It comes back fast. <laughs> it was incredible. <laughs> um, so yeah, really, really cool. I needed that inspiration and that push and, you know, Kevin got me to believe that I didn't think this was possible at my age. Like, again, I'm not going to come close to 570. You can, 580, you can rip on me all you want about my 240. <laughs> but, um, you know, I felt like pretty, pretty psyched up that at my age, I was, I was, I was able to bench press that. Um, and, and, and having those goals is so important. It's something I, I, I kick myself because, but, you know, life gets busy for all of us. And, um, but it's so important to have, have goals and certainly with your fitness. Cause I used to, when I taught fitness, I used to take the calendar when I had the kids in the fall, I would take the calendar from the FCPS calendar. I printed off the one from Thanksgiving to winter break. And it was roughly like three weeks. And I'd say to the kids, all right, we're all going to pick a goal and we're going to, um, we're going to, I'm going to give you five minutes at the beginning of the period to work and you go on you push ups, sit ups, you know, something we can do right here in school, in class. And I said, I'm picking one too. And my goal was the first year I did it was by the time we walk out of here for winter break, I'm going to do a cumulative thousand pushups. And I did it. Now I was doing it at home too, like on the week. And then if I missed a couple of days, I was like pumping them out. And then the next year rolled around, I did it with my kids and I was like, I'm going to go for 1500. And I did it. And then next year, 2000. And I did it. Now I haven't taught fitness since then. I've taken over a lot of health classes, but you know, I wouldn't have done it without the goal. And, and then I always try to remind the kids too, even if I didn't get to the 2000, even if I did 1800, well, that's still 1800 more than I probably would have done without the goal. Right. <laughs> like sure. I'm not doing it now. You know, so we, we need that, we need that motivation. We need people to push us. Um, so yeah, you coming down there telling me I could do this, you know, got me to, you know, kind of lit a fire a little bit. Um, yeah. Then I went home and cleaned out my garage, but it didn't last long. Um, but now just, just literally a couple weeks ago, um, my wife and I are trying to like, like clean out our basement area. We, we made it an area for our office this past summer. And then our goal was we're going to have a, 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 like a workout area for ourselves because, we, yeah, we spend so much time doing stuff for other people. We kind of neglect ourselves. So we're like, all right. So uh, yeah, I got the bench. Actually, I, I just wrapped out a couple before I came here. Just yeah, light stuff. Nice. Uh, it you know, like, before the video it's just because it's sitting there, you know? <laughs> yeah, for the video part. Um, so yeah. And as I, you know, start to look at retirement, maybe, you know, um, in the not too distant future, I, I, I know I'm going to probably have some, some goals for myself because you're, nice. you're, you're really inspirational about all your physical goals of, whether it was the bench press, now it's like cutting all this weight, losing all this weight, doing these fast things. Like you do some stuff that I go, I never do that, but I've, I got to figure out for myself, what are some, some goals I'm going to have, you know, set for myself coming up. I really found <clears throat> recently is I really like to see how far I can push the discipline in myself. So like right now, what's today? 25th. It's been 56 days, probably 96 days minus 10 days over break where I've eaten perfect. Wow. Perfect dialed into a perfect diet, boring, monotonous, ridiculous. But I mean, I've seen the results like every time I look in the mirror and there's something new there, something disappeared there. I'm like, all right, I'm good. Let's keep going. Someone's like, Hey, you want a beer? Nope. I'm good. (laughs) I feel much better than I will after that one beer. So I I like to see that. It's great when you get really good habits, healthy habits, you know, if you can, you can get that rolling for yourself. Yeah. It starts to gain momentum. And now you're like, Oh man, yeah, I've gone this long without without a beer. I can go another weekend. Yeah, you know, I was at the doctor's the other day, and they were like, "Do you drink?" It's like normally I I kind of lie and say not much, but like no, I don't drink. I haven't had a drink since Christmas. Like, wow, oh, I never thought of that before. I feel pretty <laughs> good. So 
<laughs> so we're we're about done. But do you have any questions or curveballs you want to throw my way? Um. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know I, I appreciate the 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 compliment you give me or whatever the about. Hey, I gave you the the dragons idea, but you obviously had an idea to to do this podcast thing. Where, where did that come from? And was that part of that transition for you? Just so really during the COVID, uh, you were looking to fill your time. And Netflix was only so much for me. <laughs> so I started digging into podcasts and there's some amazing ones out there. I mean, not really on target with kind of what I'm listening to, but the Pat McAfee one's incredible. Just hearing him meet up with a bunch of friends and talk a bunch of smack about sports is entertaining, hilarious, and, and at times inspiring. Um, Mark Bell, he's a power lifter, professional power lifter and inventor. He's got all these crazy different things that he does. He had an incredible podcast that I listened to for a long time. And I remember like sending him messages and doing dumb stuff like, Hey, have a random guest on. You want to have like just a regular Joe on there? Or how do I get started? And never really like, I mean, they have millions of listeners. So it was like, I never really got any of that feedback. And then I, I just listened to a bunch of them. So I was like, you know what? After, I mean, all through coaching everyone, hey, man, just write down this, this story and write a book later. Like mm -hmm. everyone has that. So I like, I remember my third or fourth year, I wrote chapters. Like I put chapters on a piece of paper. Like if I wrote a book, this is what my chapters are. And like started filling it in and I got like a, a weekend of writing this book and was like, this is stupid. Like no one's going to read this. And, and even <laughs> like I printed a copy, gave it to my wife for her to proofread and was like, this is dumb. <laughs> so then like I start looking into other things and kind of somehow just how am I going to give back after coaching is over? How am I going to continue to give back? How am I going to continue to grow myself? And I've always liked to keep myself accountable through social media. So like, I'll put a challenge out there and be like, by this time, I'm going to do this or by this time, I'm going to lose this much weight or I'm going to be a perfect in a diet for 30, 40 days. So like, you know what? Why don't I just start sharing it on a podcast? Yeah. Not going to write a book. I think there's probably AI apps that could probably turn all of my podcasts into books, but um, not going to write a book. Why don't I just talk, like just pour it out. And and I've always kind of been an overshare when it came to football kids and the kids in front of me. And I know a lot of my listeners are basically the biggest groupings I have are high school kids and high school coaches. And I want to grow obviously way beyond that. But if that's where I'm going to stick for a while, if that's my, my prime audience, then by all means, I'll share whatever I can. Yeah. We mentioned, um, it was this, it was probably about a month or so ago where one of a student in my class started talking to me about, Hey, 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 coach Potter, you, know, you heard about coach Perry's podcast. And right. So, you know, we started talking about that. And, um, so I knew he was, he was at least talking to you about it or possibly listening. Um, that's right. Yeah. Any way possible to reach anybody, but reach students. But, um, yeah. yeah and uh, there's kids that, uh, kids that poke fun at it. There's kids that like mention it, kids that, Hey, I'm listening. I like it. And like, all right, cool. That's whatever. Even if you're a hater, you're still a listener. So <laughs> I'll take it, whatever, whatever, by any means. So, and everybody's got a good story to tell. Oh you yeah. Know? I mean, sure. people's lives are so, you know, colorful with the things they've overcome or, you know, successes they've had or challenges they've had. And, and it's, it's, it helps to hear other people's stories because then you're, you know, you, you, everybody can find something to relate to. And then, and again, we're, we're in a day neat. and age where you can't go to the coffee shop and just have a conversation with a person like we used to, because everyone's blocked up in their phone or their computer. Yeah. So let's just find a different way to share. Yeah. It's a good idea. Plug it in and listen up to us. Cool. Well, so hope that's a success. Yeah. I appreciate it. So thanks for coming on. Thanks, thanks for, for having me. Making the trip. Um, anything else you want to plug? Uh, midnight run. I got my midnight run for code for uh, Mr. Cobble there. Works at our school. Um, yeah, he gave me this hat this Anybody summer. Anybody in the Frederick area looking for some delicious adult beverages, <laughs> that's the place to be. Um, otherwise, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, maybe we'll have you again on, on someday. And uh, thanks for coming out. Sounds great. Thanks, Kevin. All right. Well, Johnny Bodner, Johnny Bo, thanks for coming on. I hope you all really appreciated that. So, I mean, it, it, he hits every every mark. So when talking about, I mean, he's got a, a deep educational background. He's been in the in the career longer than most of the people in our building. He's one of our top 10, probably tenure-wise. Um, I love his motivational Mondays. It's something that needs to be spread and spread throughout all of education, not just our building. Um, the beginning of Dragons, he, he truly, and, and again, he wasn't the inventor. It's not like he's some famous philosopher who started this whole thing. Uh, he just kind of brought it into the right, perfect time that I needed to hear it. So I really appreciate those conversations. And, and I find myself second block during his planning, sometimes wandering down there just so I can get some insight and, and have some 
responsible discourse and some conversation that really gets my brain working for these type of podcasts. I really respect him. I really appreciate all of his feedback. And he's listened to some, not all, but he's listened to some of the episodes and he's, he's given good feedback there. He shared different ideas. He shared some of the feedback he's even received, and, and I really enjoy it. He's one that's seen our football program grow from when I first took over in infancy. And then he got involved about midway through my tenure, and he saw us grow from that stability, relatively stable portion to the new heights that they're at now, where they've been super successful, and they'll continue to kind of have a foundation of success and pride and happiness and all the things that I dreamt of when I first started. So great to hear his insight there. And then also great to hear his insight when it comes to generational changes from students and student athletes and also the pre and post COVID things you don't really think about are things that he mentioned. So really hit home there. And then I always like to throw a couple curveballs at my guests, the soccer versus football thing. I expected him to lean a little more heavily on the toughness it takes to play soccer, which it does require. And, and kind of the the things that are a little easier in football than they are in soccer. But he played it fair, and he played it honest and open. And I, I like his mindset of um, he played soccer like a football player, which makes a lot of sense to me. And I see athletes in other sports who are very competitive and very driven and focused, and I look at them, I'm like, man, that's a football player type of mentality that is playing a different sport. Really, they're just driven and motivated, and to me, that's what it takes to be a good football player. So putting that together early on and seeing those things come together makes sense, and he can see it too, so I'm not alone. And then again, taking back your gym, we talked about that. He's he's much older than I am, um, not quite old enough, as old as my parents, but I guess he would be technically old enough to be my dad. But at the same time, he's got a lot of pride in himself, a pride in his level of physical fitness. So it's it's awesome to see him kind of get fired up and get motivated at different points. And who knows, maybe we'll get him back up to bench in 225 plus here soon. So thanks a lot, Coach Bodner. Thanks for coming on. Hope you enjoyed as much as I did. I'm sure that's one guest that we'll have back and we'll have many more just like it. So like I've been talking about coming up, we have a little bit of a transition coming up. So if I do drop out for one week, or I, I drop an episode a little later, a little early, that's because one of these bigger changes that I've been talking about is coming. Very close to changing some formatting things and, and some of the way things are set up here. So you'll see that as it comes. Uh, I have a quote for the week that I wanted to share. And this was, um, I think it was a TikTok that kind of hit home as I saw it and Every now and then I'm just looking through some of the motivational ones. And that's one of my algorithm obsessions is it'll roll through some of those Invictus quotes and things like that. But this one was rolling pictures of, I don't know, lions or something like that. But it said, you can see me tired. You can see me broke. You can see me failing. You can see me in pain. But you will never, ever see me give up. And that's the way I live my life. It's okay to show that pain. It's okay to show failure. It's okay to be broke. It's okay to be tired. But you'll never see me give up. Wow. I've put videos out there of my lifting where I fail. I've put videos out there where I'm not feeling or looking my best. I've put pictures up where I'm like not where I want to be. But accountability-wise, here's what everyone needs to see, and I will be better. So again, you won't see me give up. You might see me in a worse place than I want to be but you're not going to see me give up, not going to quit. As always, thanks for joining. Check me out all social medias at Coach P underscore knows. I'll be posting more and more content. Kind of hit a lull there because I was sick and, and trying to get this thing up and running and, and get the ball rolling here. So it'll be coming back with a vengeance. I, I feel like I've gotten into a groove now where my views are going to start going up. I have a call out coming soon. I'm going to be challenging somebody who's kind of been viral social media wise, and I'm coming for them next. So I'll be start blabber mouthing and attacking that one in the next episode. Probably. I think that's all the updates I have. All right. Check us out next week. Not sure exactly what the content's going to be. Have a couple interviews lined up, so I don't know what's going to come first, but it's going to be another great one. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for listening. We'll check you out next week. Have a great Tuesday. It's going to be the best day ever. 
as long as you decide it will be. That's it. I'm out.